only guy that knows this code base. I'm the only guy that can fix all this. I, I kind of had like a mental health breakdown. Like I remember saying, Kev, can, can we step outside? I just want to like open up about something. And I remember telling you, I can't do this at this pace anymore. Like we need to figure out a solution. All right, we're rolling. What's up, y'all? Kevin and Mike here from Spectora. We're co-founders, brothers, co-CEOs. Uh, we're giving you lessons learned and stories from our journey, going from zero, zero customers, zero revenue, to eight-figure, to an eight-figure business um, as of this year. So, how do you think last week went? Yeah, it was great talking about that first year with uh, getting our first customers. What a year! On this episode, we're going to try and go from basically 2018 until now. So we're going to breeze through and do the overview of about three and a half years of taking it from 200 customers to where we're at now, which is almost 5,000 customers, around 5 million in annual revenue. Um, a lot has happened. Yeah, 2018, I, I viewed it as a year of solidifying like product market fit, like the, the cliche term of like, I felt we kind of thought we had it in 17 in the first year in business. And so 2018 is definitely a, is where the, we felt like the rocket ship started like taking off. Yeah. So let's take us back. So beginning of 2018, we're still working from home. Still just you and me. I think we experimented with a contractor or two at that point, but I don't remember if anything was sticking. Um, we were going in and out of kind of co-working spaces. We were using desk pass yep. to make sure we got out of the house, networked with other entrepreneurs. Um, I remember those days as being like really fun still a ton of work, but just knowing that we had something that was like, had liftoff. I, I, I see the notes here and it's, it, it makes me feel very good about that time because everyone's filled with hope and optimism. We were working with a couple other entrepreneurs that met up through desk pass. Um, we met him at Denver startup week, went to co-working spaces and you're just all grinding. So y'all just set up your computers. You don't have an office cause you're just going to these shared desks and, uh, and just that optimism, like you know, you didn't have anything yet or not much to show for. And I really loved that period. But so we go into 2018 and when do we start considering getting like an office space and getting legit? Yeah. I, I remember it's a big, yeah. big thought on a lot of people's minds. We were doing co-working and we kept going back to Alchemy because it's super convenient to my house. And like, as a new dad, I was trying to squeeze the most out of every hour. You know, I had like a, what, at that point, five, six month old mm -hmm. at home. And uh, just trying to figure out how do we, and, and it was a really cool space. And so I think we decided, hey, let's um, maybe consider having some space here because man, it was getting hard to work at home with a, a young baby that was often crying and just finding my own like focus time was getting increasingly difficult. I'm, I'm curious how your thoughts on, for those that are parents, you know, obviously after the year of the pandemic, people working from home and realizing shit, this is really hard with a, a kid coming up asking for a grilled cheese, you know, or whatever. <laughs> How did you view that with a like five month old at the time in terms of like getting out of the house versus wanting to be there? Like, how'd you juggle all that? I, it was really hard. My, uh, my wife, Leah was amazing through it. She just, we decided she wasn't going to go back to work so that I could focus on building the business. So that's obviously a huge decision that we had a, you know, there's obviously a lot of privilege involved when you can do that. Some of that is because we had saved up that money and knew that we had this runway to build the business. We'd start paying ourselves just a little bit. Um, so yeah, it, it was not easy though to navigate because when you hear a baby crying upstairs, you want to be there, mm -hmm. you want to help. And so 
taking yourself through that mental exercise, maybe the best help is me staying and building the business right now. Those are tough decisions to make in the moment. Um, so yeah, I, I can't say that I have any good answers there. <laughs> <laughs> this is around the time too. So we thought about moving into an office like early 18, we started thinking we need to hire. So like, I know this is a pivotal point for a lot of entrepreneurs of like, okay, we got, I don't know, 20, no, 100K MRR at this point, right? We're at about 100, 100 MRR at the end of... No, no. At the beginning of 2018, we had 20. 20K of MRR. Okay. So Maybe we were getting up to 25 by March when we decided, hey, we're doing so much support, so many emails. We just need somebody to help talk to customers. So this is a hard space because it's like, okay, if that's 20, we could pay ourselves 10. Right. Or we could offload things we don't like doing to someone. Right. And that's a tough decision in itself. Yeah. Because we were paying ourselves, I want to say, like two grand a month. Right. And um, we were trying to upgrade hardware. We're trying to upgrade software. We're trying to just keep our business running, starting to pay for stuff like intercom. And so expenses were growing, but we realized, hey, we have some breathing room here. Let's look into hiring. So So intercom was our best first hire, right? (laughs) So like in terms of like something we thought we should have done earlier, that definitely get intercom earlier was on our top of our list, right? Or anything but email. We had so many email threads and you and I wouldn't know who was answering what. That was not the way to do support. What was your take on the first hire? Because that was a big discussion, I remember, of like dev or support. I think those were our two we kind of narrowed it to those two. Right. Yeah. We both wanted help with each of mm-hmm. our kind of respective specialties. But I think we we knew that like devs are really expensive. Yep. We didn't have a ton of money. And the support um, was like the immediate pain. I was still mm-hmm. kind of trying to juggle all the dev duties um, while helping with support to the extent I could. But having support come in, I think let me focus a little bit more on dev let you look at more growth opportunities, get more content out there. And so, and it was just a cheaper hire, right? That yeah. was something that we could afford. Yeah, it's very leverageable because I see on Twitter a lot of like one person um, companies, founders that are just like, I don't give people callbacks. I don't schedule calls. I'm a one person shop. And like, that's great because sometimes that's a, a fun lifestyle business where you can just maximize and squeeze all the money out. But then we knew at the core, we were like, going to be great at customer service and so to me being there and having more people to just be there matters a ton and like that's that's always been our calling card so i think like early on we knew we need someone with a high motor that can just answer people with us and that helps and it proved to be great right yeah we were heavily inspired by the zappos model being a service company that happened to make software and so when we were looking for somebody we just wanted them to be very energetic somebody can get in there and do basically whatever we threw at them including talking to customers, but also it would come to be like conference stuff. And so our first hire, Casey, I'm sure she'll be on the podcast at some point. Um, she was very interesting where she was a pro volleyball player. We knew her as an acquaintance through the volleyball scene. And so we kind of knew about her general work ethic. She went to law school, but decided she didn't want to be a lawyer. She wasn't sure what was next. So she's like, oh, cool. I'll hope with you guys start up and uh, yeah, pay me what you can afford and let's go. And um, it, I couldn't have asked for a better first hire it's been great and people that say don't hire your friends we hired an acquaintance friend you yeah. know it wasn't like we were great friends 
but we minorly violated that rule and it's worked out fine. And so I think we violate a lot of rules yeah. that I think everyone says not to do. They also say don't work with family. And we're doing it. We're doing all right. We're doing it. Uh, okay, cool. So yeah. we hire her. We get in a, a shoebox of an office. Oh, I it think. was like what? 10 by 12 or so? Maybe not even. Maybe like 8 by 12. Like, like a good walk-in closet size. Yeah. Like if you're a rich, yeah, for like a rich person's walk-in closet was our office. And we fit three desks in there. Max would have been four and we would have been on top of each other yeah. basically. Oh, the echo was terrible for any calls. We'd have to go out to the common space. I think my first YouTube video or one of the first, or I did it, the first YouTube video I did in there was embarrassing because there's yeah. so much echo. It was an interview yeah. for the podcast. It was terrible. And I was like, oh my gosh. And yet we felt like we were ballers. We were like, dude, we have this office space and this like kind of modern co-working space. There's other companies around us. That energy becomes addictive. Yes. Or they had just amazing coffee there. One of the two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably both. <laughs> you know, and we're in a co-working space now. We're in a WeWork because of how it makes us feel. And so like, that's a whole nother episode on its own of like getting yourself into an environment where you feel energized, where you feel yeah. optimistic, where you feel, oh, the sky's the limit. Right. And it's cool to have other companies around you that are ahead of where you are. Yep. I know some people, they might feel like intimidated by it. Get past all that and know that you're at where you're at and having other people with the experience of where you want to go is so invaluable. I remember talking to Mary from uh, that, that company upstairs yeah. and she would tell us like, here's how we hire, here's how we interview. Cause we were fairly new at this. Like yeah. when I had an agency, I'd hire a couple people, but not like, didn't feel like the stakes were as high. This, this was more interesting. I love that as a concept. That's another episode where we're going to have to jot these down, but like asking questions aggressively to people that you can just tell are at a stage ahead of you. And it's really hard to do. It's like dating. And you know, right. it's like, I do this on Twitter sometimes where I like, ask someone to meet and then I get crickets and like, <laughs> crap, you know, I'm not attractive enough of, of a mate. So, but you got to do it to learn about what they're, you know, what they're about, what they did. Yeah. And so I think we've had, we've had, we've been fortunate to have a mentor too along the way that's yeah. helped us. So, so we um, hire first hire on support. Um, and this is around March and pretty soon we, we continue to grow. Well, should we, should we talk about our, our first big dumpster fire? Cause I think that happened in that <laughs> office, right? So there's three of us, we have about 200 customers, 200, 250. Yeah. Uh, you can tell the story if you want of the change that was made. In Most requested feature at the time, right? Everybody would put a poll on Facebook. We thought we were doing all our research. Everybody wanted to change this very kind of specific setting within our platform. Right nobody voiced opposition. So we're like, cool, we're just going to do that. We're going to like go from A to B and just let everybody know, Hey, starting on Monday, this is going to be how it works. Mm -hmm. The, and that was Casey's first day, I think. So the uproar was intense. Well, that was Casey's first day. Yeah. Oh my God. Her first week. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe first week. Third day. Yeah. Oh. So she, yeah. She comes in and we're like, yeah, we have like hundreds of people like writing in saying, this is just a terrible decision. You need to roll back. You need to give us the option of doing a, or B, depending on our business. And we were just baffled because we thought we had researched this and gotten feedback as much as we possibly could. And nailed it. And it just shows you there's usually a silent mass of people out there that are just, they're not going to say anything until it's wrong. Right. And so, and not everybody is on Facebook. Not everybody monitors that. Some of them are building their business and they don't have time to go on social and talk about the nuances of software. Right. Maybe we were talking to the guys that were the least busy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the lesson learned there is... Don't think a quick poll gives you the majority um, and just keep asking through different means. Oh, yeah. Email, social, call, phone calls, all yeah. of it. So, so you and Casey are calling our quote, you know, our big customers at the time because yeah. they felt very, very big at the time and pacifying the masses one by quickly writing, you know, backtracking the code saying, hey, how do we give you the option for A and B? And 
there's updates to the web app and the mobile app, and we're trying to do it all like now. And man, that it, was hard. and it's so fragile still. You know, it's like we we talk about the fragility, the feeling of your, the business being fragile. We still feel today, and I think a healthy dose of that is 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 great. But like it was really fragile. Like two hundred customers oh, yeah. hadn't made it, hadn't arrived yet. So we thought a hundred would just quit. Yeah, they just unsubscribe the next day. So that was like 10, 12 hour days where Mike's cranking on dev. Uh, me and Casey are just answering people, just making sure people are happy. And uh, those were, those were tough days. Those were long days. Gosh. And around this time. So we had maybe a few weeks like this, where it just felt like it was one thing after another stuff breaking database. Yeah. Like, Oh, we forgot to put an index on this table. So now we're having errors. And so now we need to do a midday deploy, which screws up a bunch of other things. Um, jobs that need to be retried so all this technical stuff that's just coming with growth mm -hmm. great problems to have but when you're in the moment it doesn't feel like it it's stressful as hell because yeah. the and for context for anyone that knows like imagine your tool is what someone relies on to do their job like if you're if you're a, a surgeon it's like the knife you use or the thing you use to do your job was breaking for our customers and they're calling us they're texting me they're writing in the chat and they're just like standing in line and the queue the line just gets longer and longer and like Mike's just there like punching at the computer of like, I'm working on it, working on it, you know, like, and so it's, it was kind of like, you know, the Silicon Valley scene where things just, things are smoking on fire and you're trying your best, um, you know, but that's what it felt like to us. It was our, it was like our million yeah. users, even though it was only a couple hundred. Right. And you, you and Casey were so great. Just like really meet people that let them know what's, what's happening behind the scenes and how we're really listening to feedback and we're going to change everything. Uh, because like we said before, empathy is like one of the cornerstones of the business. We really wanted to say like, oh, we're going to listen to our users. We thought we knew something. They obviously proved us wrong. And so how do we make sure we're doing right by them? Because that to me, we can't lose a single customer. It was our mentality. Right? Yeah. yeah. We, we won so many customers and their loyalty in, in that dumpster fire, that, that couple week phase or whatever it was, Yeah. because I think our line a lot of my line a lot was like, Hey, I know this isn't ideal. This sucks. We kind of screwed you here. We're going to do what it takes to make this right. We're not yeah. going anywhere yeah. instead of like, ah, that's just shitty. That sucks. Sorry. Yeah. It was a commitment to just being like, we're going to make this right. Yeah. And I think we followed through on that. Yeah. You know? And there was a cost. And if I can go into my own kind of personal mental health yeah, thing, tell the story. Gosh. So there was like the, a period of two or three weeks, I think, I was doing like hundred hour weeks. It was basically like, I wake up, I go to work, I work until it's nighttime, I sleep. I didn't see my new kid for a couple of weeks. Obviously my wife knew, you know, new mom, she's feeling it. She's like, I feel like I'm raising this kid on my own. Like my, my physical health is degrading because I, somebody I was used to working out a ton. It's getting maybe my bike ride to the office, which is fairly close, but that was about it. Mm -hmm. And um, mentally just feeling the burden of like, oh, I'm the only guy that knows this code base. I'm the only guy that can fix all this. Um, I, I kind of had like a mental health breakdown. Like I remember saying, Kev, can, can we step outside? I just want to like open up about something. And I remember telling you, I can't do this at this pace anymore. Like we need to figure out a solution. Do you remember that conversation is out front, mm -hmm. front, front porch during one of those like quiet times or whatever? I, I, I remember, yeah, you opening up about that and then us getting, like hearing you and being like, man, this is like a make or break time. Like, this is like, 
where's this going to go? You know? And it's just like that, that kind of initial panic of like, Oh crap, this isn't sustainable. Right. Maybe this isn't the right path for us. Maybe we should shut it down. You know, like all the thoughts go through your head, like you're checking on, you're looking at all these options of like, man, the the dream's dead. Let's go find something else. Let's just go get jobs. And then it's like, okay, well, we'll kill, you know, what, I don't even remember what we talked about, but it's probably just like, okay, what can help with this? Is it physical activity? Is it taking an hour a day? Or yeah. even if the, the plane's going down, ignore yeah. it and, and do what you need to right. do. Uh, or let's hire a developer or let's find a contractor. You know, I think it, 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 at the end point, we were like, okay, what's the solution? It was a kind of combination of several of those. I think I made a promise to my wife, like, hey, six o'clock, I'm going to leave the office and come home and just be present for, you know, the evening mm-hmm. um trying to work out a little bit more like blocking some time throughout the week and then we decided hey instead of like paying ourselves more we're gonna put this money in, we're gonna kind of take a gamble hire an expensive developer um and get some help and again this plays back into our personal runway so i can't like that's just like can't be stressed enough of like even if it's burning down yeah. you know we, we've both been there where even when that money is whittling down you have some you, you get yourself to the next like hurdle right and i think that's what we we're thinking of like hey someone to keep you in the game and going to help you will get us to that next revenue benchmark and right. then we can like start filling that back up so it was definitely a like deferred money oh, yeah. game right there we were the lowest paid employees in our company for the first few years that's I true think. that's true <laughs> we continued to pay ourselves like just just enough to cover our bills essentially right um and put that money into growth and hiring new people and so yeah so we hired um, a developer at 100k which for us was like an amazing amount of money it hurt yeah it was so painful but it provided immediate relief for somebody else that was able to get in there learn the code base tyler still is with us today he's been an amazing engineer throughout the entire growth of our platform key engineer numerous things um yeah he came on board and helped i scaled back a little and we kind of accepted that not everything that needs to get done today might get done. Some of it will be there tomorrow. Yeah. And I want to speak on that because the flip side to that is acceptance of um, disappoint, like the feeling of disappointment when you're on this customer, customer service side or sales side or like after hours, you know, yeah. stuff breaking. There was times where I was just like, damn it, I wish you were around to fix this thing. But then you see the longevity trade-off of mm-hmm. like unplugging and being like, okay, this customer is going to be inconvenienced for the evening. They're not going to quit. They're probably not going to go tell a hundred people. And it ended up being okay. Right. And so I think like, that's the hardest thing to kind of take your hands off the wheel on for a lot of entrepreneurs. It's just like close the MacBook for the night, go hang out family, watch a Netflix show, whatever. And, uh, but follow up with customers the next day, like closing that loop, I think is the key there as opposed to just letting things float away. I think we did that well. Yeah, just communicating well. Like, hey, this will be taken care of first thing in the morning. I'll be sure that you know, it is top priority at 6 a.m. Yeah. And that's most customers are very understanding of that. And those that weren't, maybe weren't the best customers to have when they're blowing up at us. Like, right. eventually some of those customers would be the ones that we fired later on, right? That's true. And so we found some balance. And I think there's a time for sprints. And I don't think we could have gotten there unless we had that, that sprint. Huge. And then there's a time for the marathon mentality yeah. where you know... We're not going to burn ourselves out. We're going to take time. We can recharge the battery along the way so that we can go for the long haul. Oh, that's a good point. I want to talk about that. So tell me what you think of this framework of like 
the sprints of like build, 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 release, fix bugs, fix bugs, fix yeah. bugs. And then we, we would get to a point of kind of like cruising altitude. We're like, oh shit. We look around like everything's kind of stable. Let's not touch anything. Yeah. That is like recharge time. So I think that yeah. in hindsight, it'd be like, oh, cool. Take an afternoon to play volleyball when things right. are just cruising. Yeah. Not building the next thing and then breaking right. something again. Because to me, that like that cycle just like hurts yeah. you as opposed to, okay, relax. Right. So I don't know, maybe that's a, a lesson learned there of like when things are stable, don't be in a rush to build another thing like tomorrow. Maybe right. take two days. Right. And chill. <laughs> Great point. Um, but it's hard to do. We, yeah. I don't know if we, we, I don't know if we would even do it if we did it again. We'll do an episode someday on like the different sprint cycles that we've tried, the different ways that we've managed workflow. Um, just some of those kind of ground level tactics that, you know, served us at different points in time because it's been different. In the early days, we need to do it one way. Now we have to do it another way. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get to right. that. So we, we get through midway of 18. We have two hired. We have a team of four, maybe a contractor. I don't really remember. But we, don't we do a sale mid 18? I thought mid 18, like there was a really big jump up point from where we got from like 200 and it was off to the races. Oh, um, it wasn't a sale. It was a price increase. We said, Oh, we increased prices in year two. That's yeah, right. yeah. We said, Hey, instead of charging like $79 a month, we're going to charge 99 a month. But if you buy before, you know, July 15th, you lock in your rate for life. Ooh. And so that was our biggest sales month ever. And it, it would hold for another like year and a half. Like yeah. we still never had it for a year and a half as many sales as that month because everybody's like, Ooh, this is the time to like hop on board this train if I want to get in at this price level. And so instead of a sale, it was the opposite. <laughs> and I've heard this consistently on, uh, from other entrepreneurs, which is really cool. And we've made a commitment to like, this platform is going to continue to improve. Yeah. So your 79 is going to go even further month after month. So we still have people paying 79 bucks for the software, yeah, which is amazing with what it's, what it does now. So, so that probably got us what hundreds of yeah. signups. So we've doubled, I think our MRR right. overnight. Huge and we, we were like, holy shit, is this yeah. happening? It was, it was surreal. And then we're like, okay, we need the bigger office. We need to hire. We're going to hire a couple more people. It, it felt like suddenly it was all moving very fast. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then do we, did we bump up paying ourselves at that point? I don't know. If we did. I don't know if we did yeah. yet. And we'd have to look at it. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember feeling like we were um, even worried about it as much. No. Because we just knew like things were taking off. I think momentum. Yeah. Just uh, word of mouth was yeah. getting great. Do you recall like relative stability through this, this last six months of that year? Like, was it, was it still up and down, but they're still out? I don't remember. I, want to I don't remember that, that well. Yeah. A lot of 2018, 2019 becomes a blur yeah. of just working hard, but it, it got better. Cause I think, you know, with bringing on engineering help, we re we re-engineered certain key systems that were just built quick and dirty. True. You know, we'll talk about that, you know, when to build quick and dirty and when to like take your time and make sure it's something that's going to stand the test of time. Right. Um, and so we rebuilt some key systems. We tried to plug the key like holes. Mm -hmm. And so it was probably not bad. It wasn't great. I'm sure. Yeah. But overall we were winning the trust of people every single day. By showing up every single day. And so I think we're at that point still working eight to 10 hour days. Maybe not as many 12 plus right. hour days, but right. it was like we had the office and it was a cool environment for anyone that has mm. worked in a WeWork or a co-working space. Like we wanted to be there and our energy in that room 
okay. every time we'd see the numbers go up, like again, addicting, right? Yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. I didn't want to go home some nights. Yeah. It was crazy. Like I'd get home at seven, eight o'clock and I like, oh my God, it's so amazing. <laughs> we did this and we did this. It was so fun. <laughs> um, and so that period of growth from going from 200 customers to a thousand yeah. by the end of 18. So Huge like year. in year two, we five X. Sounds cooler than this, but 200 to 1,000, yeah. 100 MRR. Um, so that's at that point, we're like a million dollar run rate plus, right? Which is nuts to think, like, wow, in the next year, if all things stay the same, we're going to make this company will bring in a million dollars. That was beyond what we thought was even possible Amazing. in the first how few years. Yeah. It, how much did you sit with that? Or like, how much did you like? Here's the thing about our space, right? At any given point, half of our customers are likely to go out of business in the next few months. So we never thought it was real. Never felt secure. It never felt secure because we have a low barrier to entry industry. Right. And so people get in, they can't make it, they leave. And so any given time we look at a run rate in our minds, we're cutting it in half. Yep. We were saying, okay, only half of that's real. And so we tried to maintain basically a 50% spend on it and just put the rest into like the emergency fund. Yep. Because we were worried about like housing crash. We were worried, hey, this is all gonna go south at any point. So we don't want to overhire. We don't want to overspend. It's um, a very conservative financial mentality, but it, it served us really well. That's a great point. I think most, not all industries have churn that's like 30% industry-wide or 50% industry-wide. So yeah, that's a good point. We did everything later than we should have. We upgraded offices later than we could have, I guess, yeah. hired later than we could have. So that's, that's worth noting that it never felt like a million dollar right. like business or company. It right. was like, okay, how do we stash cash? Stash cash. Yeah. Yeah, we were always preparing for the rainy day. We're still preparing for a rainy day. We're still preparing for a, a hurricane. Right. And so that's just our mentality. I think that's just, that's what any, any bootstrapper, mostly bootstrappers probably listening. Yeah. That's just how you live. You have to. If you overspend, you're asking for trouble. It's yeah. kind of like buying a house that's way too big for your income level. As soon as one bad thing happens, you're going to be very stressed. And right. we didn't ever want to be back in that stressful time where we thought this is, there's nowhere to go, make or break. That's looking out for your future self, right? Is that how you characterize <laughs> yes. it? It was just like, my future self doesn't want to make poor decisions Yeah. and cash in the bank. Uh, everyone poo-poo's on cash in the bank because right now right. it's earning you nothing. It's earned us a lot, I would argue, in emotional stability Mental and health. better decision-making. So like, think of cash in the bank differently, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was great because our runway started to become like the, the business account runway and that gave us some freedom in our personal lives. Yep. And so, yeah, 2018, 200 to 1,000 customers, 2019 continued that trend where over the course of 2019, we basically doubled. It was like 1,000 to 2,200 customers. Yep. And we went from five of us, I think, at the end of that year to 11 of us. Yep. Like just a double massive year. Count. Yeah. Doubled headcount, doubled income, doubled revenue, everything. So it was a, that phase, I think of it as a lot of like do what's working, which is like add features get involved with like be in your community and space. So yeah. like we were, we were in everything with the conferences, we were in Facebook groups, mm -hmm. we, the podcast, we were doing all these things. We're just hitting yeah. on all cylinders and it felt great. Um, we started to get a little distracted there with offering like SEO plans and like paid marketing plans. So like, that's a, we're all in tech and I think it's easy to chase squirrels. I think that was one version. So it floated us early on. If you listen to the, one of the previous episodes, we offered, agency type marketing services early yeah. to float us on. We tried to continue to grow that. And that became a little bit of a overhead in terms of like managing it, people being pissed about it because right. no one understands SEO. Yeah. Um, so it felt like a time suck. Yeah. And 
yeah, it was always just painful conversations that you were having with them of like, hey, listen, you don't just automatically become number one on Google. And so I think we, I don't know if it's then or maybe a little bit later, we were like, later let's make plans that. to draw this down and stop offering it. It was something that was great in the first year. It floated us for the some of the first year and it was not serving us any longer. It was holding back the growth of our SaaS platform. Right. And so, yeah, being any, ready to pivot. Anything agency related, it just, we thought it could be different and it's scale. You have to scale the humans along with the business, whereas technology is just not, Yeah, you can scale that infinitely. Yeah. So 2019 um, product standpoint, I feel like we're trying to get feature parity with all of our different competitors. We didn't want any more sales calls where they're like, oh, we well, do do this. And we're like, well, we're working on it. And so that was the scramble for, for me and the uh, dev team was just, let's make sure we check all the boxes of like, if they have a pain point with this aspect of scheduling, with this aspect of running payments, with this aspect of reporting in the field, we're going to do it all. And, um, and then, and do it better. You know, we always yeah. said, let's understand the underlying need. Let's really dig into it. Let's ask a lot of questions and then let's design it kind of from the ground up. So it's not just doing what competitors do, it's doing it better. It's doing it with better UX, better design and hopefully more efficiency, less taps, less clicks, less page transitions, whatever it is, we're going to do it and we're going to do it better. Yep. And that was, I just remember that being a, such a fun period. Do you think that's a given in all industries that people are just willing to talk as much as like home inspectors talk about what they don't like about their, their ex or their, or their current software? Cause I'd be willing to bet lots of people. If you ask, if you ask them, they'll, they'll talk to you. They'll tell you their problems. I hope so. I think we also benefit that home inspectors for a living tell you what's wrong. <laughs> if you ever had a home inspection, that's what they do. They, they show up and they say, here's all the shit that's wrong with the house. Bye. It's their job. And so they're a really open yeah. <laughs> clientele. It's natural to them. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because like other, uh, I can only imagine other uh, industries or, or, or niches, um, they're wired for optimism. Right. what's right yeah so they just think about what's great about their note-taking app or right. whatever so yeah. it's just a funny little nuance we um, have this alternate life where we're like oh we're gonna build a software platform for therapists and you think about how emotionally touched and like unlikely they are to upset you and so <laughs> that would have probably been a lot harder to get out improvements from them in a way that like really kind of hit home whereas these guys would just be like you're fucking up my life i don't have any time so i have to do this thing like 20 times a day fix it or else i'm just going to be really pissed off right no, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah, understood. We'll, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. And then you're happy. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, 2019, we we move into, we get our first lease. Um, we we sign a lease on an office space. And so most people, some people do that earlier than that. Yeah. You know, they just think, hey, we, we've got a month to month, or no, we got a one-year lease. So previously, we were month to month at co-working space, yeah. which we hedged our risk because that, that was always, that always felt okay to pay a little more. Right to have that month to month optionality. Yeah. So we sign a lease in an office space that holds probably 20 to 30 people. So we really start planning for growth here, right? Yeah, so yeah, we went big. We went on the one year lease. It had space, we had to buy our own furniture. It, you know, the previous space we were at, it was just all furniture that came with the, the space we were leasing. This was a big deal. This was something that like, the shift that happened during 2019 was thinking for the long-term instead of just survival. We started building add-on products that wouldn't see revenue for another year. Mm -hmm. We started, yeah, taking one-year leases, prepaying for some software up front for the year. Um, <laughs> spending for the first time. Spending a little more freely. Um, that was interesting, right? Because now we're like, okay, we're here to stay. How do we, like you said, give our future selves the best shot? It's investing now. It's kind yeah. of like that planting a tree metaphor or whatever. And I'm going I'm to tell you why this was huge that you 
negotiated for a one-year lease with a second year being an option because our first year lease was in early 2019. And there's this big event that happened in early 2020. <laughs> um, and we saved about 70 grand by not yeah. having that second year with COVID. Nobody foresaw COVID. I'm just kind of a commitment folk in general. <laughs> so when they were pushing for a two-year lease, I was like, let's just do one year, like get it out of jail free card. If at one year we decide, hey, this isn't the best fit, we can leave with no, no penalty. Um, Huge. And so, yeah, when COVID hit, we luckily had our little card. We're just like, hey, we're going to use this clause and not renew. And um, instead of paying for this massive office space that nobody was able to use. Yeah. So we decided at that point we were going to become a remote team. Yep. And that's obviously a huge shift in culture. We were used to being shoulder to shoulder in small offices. We were used to quickly bouncing ideas off each other at the drop of a hat. People overhearing conversations and saying, oh, yeah, what's that about? Tell me more. And now we're suddenly all working from home, like with the rest of the world. So we were only in our new office for what, five months, four months? November, December, January, February, March. Five months. Five months. I remember COVID. I had just Boom. finished putting up all the lighting. We created this like super cool vibe with like great lighting. Cool sexy, couches. Yeah, sexy furniture, like conference rooms that had great backdrops. And then we're boom, boom. Everybody's uh, at home. Take me back to your mentality as COVID's hitting and ramping up. I know everyone can relate to where they were at or what they were thinking. Uh, I remember the first week when, you know, pretty much all the companies are decided, hey, we're going to go from home. This seems like it's a real thing. Um, thinking, oh, okay, we might be back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and then a weekend, it's like, oh, this might be a month. Nobody predicted, I think, that it's going to be very long term. I mean, plenty of people predicted it. No one wanted to believe it in our situation, I right, think. Right. Uh, but we had to quickly figure out what, how do we run this company in this new context? And so you and I, I believe, started scrambling for like, how do we document procedures? How do we, because we were also onboarding. We were interviewing like constantly during that time period. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out how we onboard like four new employees remotely. So we're creating training videos. We're writing documentation. We're creating more processes like within Slack. How do we communicate that like something's getting looked at? Okay, let's use these eye icons to make sure everybody else knows this particular comment's getting looked at. Right, right. How do we use threads in Slack so that stuff doesn't get lost? How do we, I don't know, just hop on Zoom really quickly, create, add those integrations so that in Slack you can instantly create a Zoom session and really try and continue to have face-to-face -face time with other team members. Creating company culture remotely is a huge task. We're still figuring it out. We still don't know. You know, we're still making it up as we go. Um, I was more referring to that two week period where we were all like, it's going to shit. This, what, like, oh, we, we, we yeah. need a PPP loan, you know, like, right. what is real estate going to be shut down for a year? That's true. Yeah. I forgot. It, it was a period yeah. of like, damn, this is the rainy day we've been saving for. That's true. And we just saw businesses going down left and right. Terrible time for the whole world. Um, yeah. and, and we kind of just froze up and we're like, okay, um, we got, I think we got, maybe a hundred or 200 cancellations oh, in a span that, of a, a couple of weeks. Like right? Several hundred, yeah. Several hundred cancellations in a couple of weeks. And we were just sitting there looking at each other like each day, I remember waking up and thinking like, is are these the dominoes gonna fall mm -hmm. and we're gonna get cut in half? Right. Yeah, oh, yeah, there was a really dark month, I think at that April. point. Yeah, maybe. a lot of companies were reaching out to buy us and we really started to consider it because we thought this is the time to cash out. It might be all downhill from here. And so we entertained a few of those conversations we started talking to our customers a ton. 
asking them what their perspective is, what things are looking like for them in their states and really debating like where things were going. Yeah. It was about a two week, I think, shutdown in most states where it's just like barely any showings, virtual showings, houses right. not getting sold as much. Um, but then we just kind of waited it out, got, got PPP to float us to, you know, to make sure everyone was good. Didn't have to lay anyone off. And then I think after those couple of weeks, we started to see light of like, man, real estate might be this fortunate thing that just kept rolling right. with low rates. It's just yeah. worked out. And so I think trans home transactions kept going, right? They went back up and we're like, Ooh, we're like, okay. Yeah. We got maybe cut in a, an eighth, you know, and that's where our margin of trying to maintain uh, like 50, maybe at the, you know, it fluctuates. Sometimes it's like 30%, like it fluctuates, but having margin, knowing that we're not going to have to lay anybody off because we've always been planning for this kind of thing. Right. Like we're always ready for a black swan event just financially. Yeah. That is huge. That's freedom. That gave our employees like this comfort. And, um, and it also had us all kind of rally together and say, let's make sure we just continue to, to knock the socks off of everybody that writes in everybody we talk to it. Um, it was a powerful moment because there's some definitely dark conversations in our team meetings where we're just like, okay, if this continues, we were debating how much do we eat into the savings? How right. much do we, you know, we were debating a lot of options. Yeah. And then at, I don't know at what point there was also thoughts of like, okay, like Warren Buffett, you know, Grant Carl mentality of like, okay, do we step on the gas right now? Because yeah. our, some of our competitors might not run at 50% margins, might not have money in the bank. And right. so it was, it started to feel like, okay, this is yeah. going to, we're going to catapult out of this. And right. so, you know, you go through summer, obviously COVID's just getting nastier and nastier. Um, but then the real estate market just keeps rising. People right. keep buying homes. People are buying homes without even looking at them. Yeah. So people are buying homes virtually, and then, yeah. which means home inspections happen. So that's our, our right. business, obviously, is reliant on home sales transactions. Yeah. We were incredibly lucky. Obviously, interest rates play a part. They went to all-time lows or whatever. Um, yeah, people wanting bigger homes because suddenly they're working from home. They need that office. Yeah, that's huge. And so we obviously had it way more fortunate than a lot of other industries. Um, so yeah, we put our foot on the gas. We hired some senior level people. Mm -hmm. uh, we really started to build out a team that was going to really grow over the course of what, what's been this past year. Yeah. So five, six months go by, we're all remote and it just starts to be like, man, I think this is just going to be this way. Yeah. So we choose, we'll keep growing, keep adding customers, hundreds of hundreds a month. But at this point, we're like, wow, this just keeps happening. Yeah. Partly our outreach, we start doing more sales, our organic SEO presence. I think we start to rank higher and higher. So we're like top three. Yeah. So like we're in, we're in that three pack now. We decide to not renew the lease. Like, do you recall what those conversations were like? I think you brought it up oh, first. Oh man. You know? Yeah. Well, part of it was like, okay, this opens up opportunities. We can hire nationwide, worldwide. We can live wherever we want. We can have some, some freedoms. Um, and it's going to be really hard culturally. How do we make that shift? And you and I talked about it and we just debated like a hybrid approach. We debated, you know, saying, Hey, we'll eventually be back in the office. I don't remember if there was like a particular thing that made it like, okay, this is the way. Do you? No, lots of talk, lots of debates and talks. Um, you know, we have, we have like a weekly meeting and then we talk all week anyways, founders, like that's a episode topic of like staying fully connected on where you're at, like philosophically with life right. and what you want out of your, out of the startup. So yeah. I think we, 
just literally laid it all out. Just freaking, what's it called that Jared does a T chart or the, or the SWOT, <laughs> SWAT analysis. analysis. <laughs> <laughs> we swatted it up and, uh, and kind of arrived at like, okay, this is what we'll save. This is what we can do. Yeah. Um, we envisioned team retreats, which we haven't done yet, which, you know, excited to, or flying people and flying our team in. Yeah. And we made the call. We made the call and you know, there's definitely drawbacks to it right now. I think we're all kind of missing that mm-hmm. team camaraderie and we're debating having just like we work days where everybody can kind of come in that are, that's local. Yeah. We want to make sure we figure out how to not discriminate against people that can't do that because they live in different States or countries. Yeah. But yeah, so it's with challenges, but um, we're navigating it probably along with everybody else in the yeah. world. Yeah. So we go remote. We, like Mike said, laid out uh, documentation, rules, norms, stumbled into some of them. It took months sometimes to be like, wow, this Slack, Slack's getting so noisy. How do we right. limit this with threads and be, I actually read the other day, the ConvertKit founder, Nate Barry, is like maniacal about threads. And whenever he doesn't answer in a thread, his team like screenshots it and like sends it to him. He's like the CEO. You got it though. So it's really yeah. cool. You know, that that's like a cultural thing. It's yeah. just like, that matters because right. uh, an inefficient thread or thing on Slack, you realize how many people it distracts. Yeah. Efficient communication, um, we started really pressing, like asking people, when you post something, anticipate the next question, that SBAR model that we need to yep. get situation, background, analysis, recommendation. Yes. Like asking for that anytime something came up so that it's not constant back and forth. Those are little tactics that lead to big efficiency gains, I think. Um, it takes training, man. We're still working on our team with, of like, just like the stream. I'm, I'm bad even at the stream of consciousness typing. And then you realize everyone spends all day in Slack. So it's like, yeah. uh, it's, it takes so much con- conscientiousness. And as owners, I, I want to believe that all our employees are working really hard at home, but there's also that always that part of us. that's like, fearing, <laughs> like they just, uh, you know, watching some TV and have Slack open and respond yeah. and folding laundry, just hanging out. Right. You know? I mean, that's, a, it's natural. And that's where I think selecting the right team members, people that you trust that you feel like are motivated and driven. That's where it's huge. Cause we had a couple misfires. We, yep. We've had to fire a couple of people cause it just didn't seem like after a month, they were really producing at the level that we're, we're expecting because we're a company that has huge ambitions, right? We still are. We're going to make this thing double, triple what it is now at least. Yep. And so if everybody on board, isn't that, that person in the group project that was always doing all the work, right? Yeah. And it's not a good fit. And so it's, it's hard though. It's not without its challenges. I mean, we're still learning how to interview, right? The right questions to ask. So that's yeah. a, that's a fun topic too, of how to get better at that. Yeah. Um, especially in a remote world. Yeah. So things accelerate that in COVID to the end of 2020. Um, we end that year with 3,800 customers and 340 in MRR, which is insane. The numbers start to get more and more insane to us. Yes. It's a huge amount. We're constantly trying to figure out how we juggle like the amount of team members to bring on board now. How much do we spend on different aspects of development? How much are we investing in paying off tech debt because there's a shit ton of tech debt. Yep. There's a lot that was built quick and dirty. There's a lot of inefficient systems. There's a lot of upgrades that just need to happen. And when we're growing so fast, some of those, some of, sometimes it results in growing pains, like massive downtime. Yep. Um, you know, and we tried database migrations that failed. We had a whole, <laughs> oh, whole weekend of being down. That is so excruciating. Brutal. We'll dive into that someday, I'm sure. And so we're, we're navigating it, but we're having like growing pains are great problems to have. And I'd rather have those than the opposite. 
And that, so. that's the beauty of staying so connected and in your industry, because then, you know, you can get so raw and real with people where they just tell you how disappointed they are in you and you wear it and yeah. you listen and you tell them you're going to keep showing up like right. that. It almost builds that scar tissue, I guess, yeah. as a way of thinking about it. And sometimes I feel like every crisis we came out of it, like looking like with better PR because <laughs> they saw that like every team member is just suddenly on board on, you know, 8 PM on a Sunday, just helping answer questions, telling people, Hey, it's going to be okay. Everybody's working on this. And then we give them like the postdoc of like, Hey, here's what happens. Here's what we're doing to address it. Here's our six month game plan of making sure that these things become less of an issue. And so just that constant communication with customers and making it very transparent that like you care, you're going to do something about it. You're going to prevent this. There might be something else that happens, but it's this constant process of improving. I think some people, that's why we, as one customer said, you don't have customers, you create fans. That's why we don't have an advertising budget. That's why we don't need to do a ton of marketing. Our, our users do it for us. And that's, that's because of the hard work we put in every single day. Yeah, exactly. And, and half our team or close, you know, a third, but hopefully approaching a half of our team is client success because it's like that sales that's marketing and it's client success. Yes. Uh -huh. And so it, it's, it's funny thinking of these numbers even because it, it wasn't like celebrations and you know, it's like we, we hit these milestones and then we say we're going to celebrate. And we're we, so and shitty at celebrating. And so um, <laughs> it, it's just that hunger to keep going because we know the job's not done and, right. and, uh, and there's still downtime and things are going wrong. And so like, we yeah. just kept, never got comfortable. It's still, I don't think we should never get comfortable until we like are no longer involved in the business because otherwise right. that's complacency. Yep. But let's be real. Like we also have, space to take like some vacations finally that's right that's true that was first year vacations yeah. and in 2019 my second kid arrived yep and i was able to take a couple weeks off and just really be there for my wife in a way that i never was for the first six months of my first kid's right. life and i was able to on tuesday mornings take my first kid to preschool and just be there for this kind of parent taught thing so i can be present and that felt amazing that's like the kind of stuff that that's the flip side of all the hard work the grind is like you buy yourself options and control of your time. And that's, I believe, what every entrepreneur is striving for. It's like, yeah, the financial reward for sure. But also the freedom to choose how you spend your hours. That's priceless. You know, and I can only speak to our experience of kind of front-loading that or like packing, packing it all into that couple year, not all, but pack, like really loading up on that first year or two as opposed to you know, there's a lot of lifestyle businesses, there's a lot of creators, you know, they want it all. They're in Hawaii yeah. surfing, but they also want a million customers. And so I just love the way we did it. Um, it's because like, it's being all in on something. Right. It's like dad always says, don't spend money till you make it. And that's like governed so much of our business. And um, yeah, you're right. The people that want to have it all right now, just like, oh, I have this business that's kind of going to just grow itself while I enjoy life. I haven't seen it happen. Maybe it's out there, but I... I believe you have to work really hard to get it there. Yeah. And it's hard to have maniacal fast development and maniacal customer service that people talk about for years. If they just don't get an answer for a day or two, cause you're mowing the lawn and then you're folding laundry and then you're surfing or whatever. Yeah. That's great for your lifestyle. You're probably, your work-life balance. You're probably feeling great. Yeah. Mental health, probably very always on, on point. Yeah. But is that customer just going to be like, yeah, I just feel okay about this piece right. of software. I don't really know them. Yeah. I had a, I, I basically tempted myself at the beginning of this year. I went out to California because we're all remote, so why not? 
And so we escaped winter. I'm working out of California and I could feel like, oh, I could see how easily I could get sucked into, like you said, just surfing and hanging out and like losing focus of where we want to take the business. And because um, that's something I always wanted to do yeah. was go back and live in California again. I lived there in my 20s, had an awesome lifestyle. Um, but I felt like, no, I, that would be something that would take away from what we want to do with the business now. And so staying here, staying focused, continuing to grow this, continue to have the FaceTime with you and our key team members that are, that are here. I think that's huge. And some of it feels like kind of the deferred happiness package that is scary. I've always been scared of that concept. Um, but I think we've seen some of the dividends from that mentality. It's not like, you know, right now we have great lives, right? We're experiencing like, it right now. Yeah. This is deferred happiness happening. You know, yeah. doing a podcast, like we're here talking. Yeah. And so, I, you know, things are going well. Beginning of this year, we've accelerated growth even more. We're bringing on like four or 500 new customers every month. We are, what, we're approaching 5,000 customers. And what, we just crossed the 400K mark in MRR. Right. And so things are growing. We've added team members. We have team members in other countries now. So we're at 24 team, 24, team, 24, team 24 strong full-time employees. Yeah. Amazing. And then we have a few contractors that are helping out. Yep. It's become a very large organization and we are just trying our best to make sure we're putting all structures in place, empowering leaders, delegating, making sure that people have the uh, empowerment to make big decisions um, once we feel like they've earned that trust from us. So thinking how we would think about it and knowing kind of the big picture business impacts. And so a lot of our time is spent, you know, nurturing key team members and seeing the big picture and making like strategic business decisions and continuing to be the face of the company. Yeah, part doer, part manager, mentor. So we're kind of splitting our time right now, which is, it feels great. Like I yeah. really do like splitting between doer and mentor and manager. Yeah. Like I'm enjoying this phase um, so far. So. Yeah, we'll see where we go from here. But that, I mean, that catches, uh, what did we miss? Did we miss, any, did we miss anything? On there's the about a million different lessons throughout that yeah, period that yeah. we can drill really deep into. And hopefully that's, you know, the next few hundred episodes of this podcast is we'll continue to really dive deep into key decision points, mm -hmm. um, topics, ideas, how we did certain things. We'd love to hear from anybody listening if they have certain uh, questions yeah. about what about that point in time? Tell me more. We'll, we'll do a whole episode on it. Yep. I think there's a lot that we can share. And I, I don't know if we did it all right or wrong. Some of it we did definitely wrong. But we also, I think, are doing some really cool things that has enabled us to get to where we're at. And so uh, what, a, what a journey. Amazing ride, dude. And, and, it's, and in some ways, it feels like it's, uh, it's in the early stages, that it's in the early, you know, early phases. Who knows where it is? We don't know. Yeah. But, um, but it's enabled like an amazing lifestyle at this point. And so we'll see where it goes, man. But yeah, pe people email us if anyone's listening. We, got what, we had our first download the other day on <laughs> Google Podcasts, so we're, we made it. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, to interact with, with people that care about this little world of SaaS bootstrapping, basically. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool little niche. I think it's still possible. Obviously, it's possible for <laughs> bootstrappers to create a multi-million dollar business. And, um, you know, along the way, we've received offers for eight-figure valuations. Like, we know that we're doing something that's really, really meaningful and valuable in, in our space and in the broader SaaS industry at large. And so uh, we'll keep doing it. We have huge ambitions of where we go from here. We'll keep talking about that as we go. And uh, we look forward to doing this every week. Yeah, look out every week now um, if you're listening to 
to have more specific or more uh, dialed in topics that we'll drill down into as opposed yeah. to just storytelling. So we just wanted to get the backstory out there, let people know where we've been, where we're at now, and then uh, we'll be diving into stuff very deep. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. So next time. All right. Bye. <laughs>